Peace and blessings, everybody. You're listening to The Good Brother Experience, where it is I, the good brother, the original black man. I am Rick. What's happening? You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he was saying I need to incorporate some type of sounds. You know what I mean? Sounds always good. So maybe as I'm doing my announcements, I can play some music. I can do some audio onomatopoeias, you know what I'm saying? If you're familiar with a with what an onomatopoeia is, it's kind of like in Batman, where it's like, boom, pow, slap, flap, bow, shit like that. You know what I mean? Just to bring some life to my vocals, whatever have you. And I thought that idea was stellar. I just have to train myself on how to do so. You know what I'm saying? Um, he was saying to me, maybe I should outsource and perhaps have the audio quality be of the highest level you know because it's very similar to a clothing line if you have your idea of what you want as a clothing line but you don't do the proper steps in order to put your clothing line to the next level whether that be fabric whether that be embroidery whether that be a different type of t-shirt or overall just the the line of t-shirts that you're utilizing maybe you're using a lower quality you need to raise the quality maybe you need to implement money into marketing and promotion maybe you need to uh up your money as far as having i, I guess ha- if you're not going to use marketing dollars i guess you utilize the money that you have to make more shirts to give them away maybe you can come up with a design that's uh not so costly so you can give shirts away you're doing that so other people can wear it to get the word out and it's very similar to my show due to the fact that i don't have advertising dollars to garner more viewership i need to do the certain things to get me to the next level that's implementing some noises implementing something so i'm kind of what do they say when you're rapping mixing it i mean and engineering it so my vocals are of the highest quality um implementing some sounds and he uh he was bringing up some good points so maybe that's something i'm going to try to utilize in this quarantine but quarantine or not i still got announcements nigga and they're very minimal first of which you got to stay hydrated in this time i know because i'm going through it too you have that bottle of wine over there you might make a liquor store one you got your tequila you got your vodka you got your bourbon, your cognac, but where's the water at? Know what I mean, I know, man, this doesn't seem real. It, it, it was like in a drop of a dime, everybody stay in the goddamn house. But this is happening. This is real life. And we're all going through it at the same time. And if we're going to do it, we have to do it in a hydrated fashion. Don't be taking the piss and then inhaling. You just smell toxin. Like, oh, God damn, what the fuck have I been eating? What have I been sipping on? And then you get that 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 slight burning sensation <sighs> when you're taking that pissington and you can't wait until the piss is over. And the piss isn't hot because you've contracted a disease. Because if you're like me, you haven't had sex in close to two weeks, three weeks at this point. That shit is trash. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, I can't remember the last time I had sex. I'm saying the number of weeks like I fucking have it definitively known. The sex is starting to become just as rare as um the clorox wipes and the lysol and more importantly the hand sanitizer sex is in that list of rarities that's going on so don't be out here when you're about to be out and about with your ph off or 
with your dick being disheveled because you've done nothing but put toxin and acid and nothing to alkaline your body out. You know what I mean? So make sure you're staying hydrated under times of duress. Secondarily, and please do so, I need you to rate my show. All right? Now, I'm not just going to be like, rate, review, subscribe, and then go into the next topic. No, I'm going to sit right here, and you guys are going to fucking listen to me. All right? I need the ratings and the reviewers. I'm sorry. I'm combining my words here. The more reviews I get, the higher the ratings. The way the ratings get higher is once I'm getting a certain lot of a certain amount of reviews, I will then be paired with other shows when you're like, hey, maybe you should listen to this. Similar shows to this. If you like this show, maybe you'll like this show. And then they'll see me, a black man, with a fucking silver do-rag on, and they'll be like, hey. Let me give this shit a chance. And then they're going to scroll down and I'm like, wow, God damn, nigga. 500 comments. God damn. 500 reviews. God, God damn. So help me get to the goddamn portion. I'm trying to hit a thousand. I believe I can do so. Just review the show. And if you have some time, leave a rating. Thank you so much. So last week, I will say was relatively tumultuous due to the fact that niggas have not gone nowhere. I mean, I've kept it very low key. I have my gloves if I have to go out and about. I have my mask if I have to breathe around the white people because I don't believe another black man would give me the corona. But Donovan Mitchell would say different. But the thing about Donovan Mitchell is Rudy Gobert is French. And we don't trust Frenchmen on this side. You know what I mean? French toast, French fries, French by the foot. Maybe I made that last part up. But the French is not being trusted, not in this goddamn household. So, I have my gear, what I utilize. As soon as I come out the crib, I'm sorry, as soon as I come in the crib, I put that shit in the dirty clothes. I don't give a fuck what I'm wearing. You got to wash everything. So, I've been in the house, and I mean, I've been surfing. The reading comes next, but I believe this is the perfect time for me to wash the things I've been putting off because I haven't had the time to do so. Because I believe there's a misnomer that's going around. Because I don't technically have a job, you niggas don't think I do anything. I still have bills that are paid on time. I still have gear that I still pay for. Still got to eat. I still do all these things. So I'm still making money. I just don't have the quintessential job that you guys have. I don't have a boss. I don't have a manager. I don't have to clock in. I don't have standard hours. And maybe you're saying to yourself, Rick, what could you possibly be doing? And I'm here to tell you to mind your fucking business. So... I missed me minding my own business after making my money. I started watching some documentaries. I watched some movies. I watched some shows. And a few of which I'm going to share with you guys. If you guys have IO or if you guys have the opportunity to do so, watch the Michael Vick documentary. That shit, it's in two parts. And what I will say is he's not the quintessential superstar athlete in this respect. I believe all these niggas that make it to that level are weird people because you have to take something into consideration. The psyche of someone who's going to be the person that quote unquote makes it out and it's very clear that you're going to be the person that makes it out. You no longer have friends because they're friends with you. They just view you as social currency to be around. So like, yeah, man, I'm Michael Vick's friend or I'm going to do the things that Michael Vick does. I can fuck the bitches that Michael Vick fucks. I can be around the people that Michael Vick be around. You know what I'm saying? And when you're hearing him talk, you can just tell that realness never left him. 
know what I mean? Because he's from the fucking dirt. He's from the dungeon. He's from the trenches. He brought his mans with him. He brought his peoples with him. And as he's speaking, he's like, yeah, I just don't like the fact that I was going to make millions of dollars while my people were struggling. Yeah, I took care of my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my friends. And that's just the time I was on. And I wouldn't take that back off the strength that if I have all this bread and they don't, but the only reason why I made it here is because they're the people that kept my mind in order. What kind of shit is that? Where's the honor in that? And he's talking about being in Atlanta. And he's like, yo, now I didn't read no fucking playbook. But when I look at the tape, I don't regret nothing. And then he's talking about the dog shit. He's like, yeah, my cousin sold me out because he got caught with weed. And then when they had, because uh, I don't know if anybody remembers or knows how they caught him with the um with the dogs. But it was very simple. His cousin got jammed up. He was riding around. Nigga had the weed on him. He was like, yo, listen, Michael Vick's my cousin. I live right there. I mean no harm. So his cousin probably felt like, yo, I just name drop Michael Vick's name and address. Michael Vick don't smoke. That nigga don't do nothing. He don't do coke. He's not He's not a drug addict. So they'll probably give me this probation. If they just go in the crib, they're going to look around the crib. They're going to see no drugs in there because Michael Vick don't do none of that shit. And then I'll be scot-free. But his cousin forgot that they, them niggas was dogfighting. So what wound up happening was them niggas had the warrant to go search the crib. And then they just hear barking. And more barking. But they're looking around the house and they're like, uh. Because they have a warrant to search the property, not just the house. So they're like, yeah, what? We hear mad dogs, but none of the dogs is in the crib. Wait, do you hear that? There's a why is there a crib behind the crib? Let's go over there. Let's see. Go check it out. And that's when things got hectic. And even still, he didn't. You don't hear this nigga like, yo, I don't see the big deal in dog fighting. Mad niggas do it. Heck, the other people that was being interviewed was doing that, but not him. He was strong. He was like, yo, listen, man, I fucking wanted to get into it. Uh, it fascinated me. It's uh, something that I like to do. But I see that I was wrong, and I'm going to continue to tell you that I was wrong, because that was a lapse in judgment on my behalf. And that time that he spent, that two years or the 23 months he spent, he was like, yo, I'm kind of happy that I got locked up, because I was out of control. I wasn't really focusing on the playbook. I thought I was invincible. I was doing all this other shit. I'm paying for a million niggas. And then due to the fact that he couldn't fulfill his contracts, the creditors started to fucking come after him. So when he left out of jail, this nigga was popped. And you know who came to the rescue? T.I. T.I. called his name when he got out. I was like, yo, family, I hear you out and about. What's good with you? What you need? Michael was like, yo, I need 50 racks, bro. Nigga T.I. said I'm 75. I was like, yo, hold that. You know what I'm saying? That This is the type of shit that needs to be discussed about black people holding it down. And the fact that you can just hear Michael Vick just being so grounded. I would hang out with that nigga because even when he's speaking throughout the whole interview, most of these people don't have social skills because they never had to be social. All they had to do is just respond to the other people that's probably been around them. That was just happy to be around them. So they view people a certain way. They view friendships a certain way. They view women a certain way. See this man, Michael, like, yo, I always made sure I was there for my cousin. Yeah, my man was trying to live with me. He wasn't doing shit with his life. He came on campus with me. Yeah, when I fucking got rich. All my niggas came. So much so that the rumor around was like, yo, if you're fucked up, go live in Michael Vick house. I knew that and I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? 
These are my people. I'm looking out for my people because that's just who I am. This nigga got married. This nigga was a father. Never caught this nigga no cheating scandal. Uh, people in the documentary said that he had uh, good looks and he was model-esque and he was on top of the world. He didn't utilize that to go fuck bitches. Did that to take care of his wife. Take care of his two daughters. Take care of his homies. Take care of his mom. Take care of his brother. That's the type of standout shit that you got to do as a black man. So to Michael Vick. If you wasn't that nigga before, you're definitely that nigga now. And the only reason why this nigga had to retire after doing that four-game stint with uh, the Philadelphia, I'm sorry, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, is because he didn't know how to slide. They even had a whole portion in the documentary that he would run, 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 dive, run, 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 get hit, get hit, get hit, or he'd be in the pocket and he would wait two seconds too long and then somebody would pop his ass but because he was such an elusive runner they was hitting that nigga like he was a running back they was treating him like he was ladanian tomlinson so he was getting his fucking chest popped off bow and he was like yo i mean i probably could have took less hits but that's just not my style i played the game my way and i have no regrets and he's the only person in nfl history to be given two 100 million dollar contracts that nigga is the future that nigga's the truth, and I'm so happy that niggas like uh, Lamar Jackson and everybody else is patterning their game after him. You know what I'm saying? Because it's definitely, when you're watching a documentary, you're not getting a sense of you're watching a, a story of a man that had it all then lost it. You're watching a man that had trials and tribulations, ebbs and flows, and when you see that nigga, he has a good haircut, his wife looks good, his mom looks good, his daughters look good. He got a good crib. He knows what he's doing. He's paying his debt back to society. He's getting back good with the Peter people. Shout out to Michael Vick. It was him, Allen Iverson. As far as like people like hood legends, people that are like super revered, it's probably like him and Iverson in that rarefied air that if anything happened to them niggas, that the world will collapse. Similar to how the world collapsed when Kobe passed. And I still can't believe that shit. You know what I mean? But Iverson and Michael Vick, those are like revered niggas that they got to live until they're 80 years old because we already lost Kobe. We can't lose them. You know what I mean? I also watched the uh, Dennis Rodman documentary, and that nigga is a madman. The reason why he has discoloration in his face, if you look at a Google image of him now, is because he's a lunatic alcoholic. And putting all that toxin in your body and probably not hydrating yourself in the meantime, it does something to your skin. And the reason why is because your kidney and your liver is not. The thing about the kidney and your liver, they're basically like filter systems, right? The shit that goes to your body, your liver, your kidney, they sit there. They sort out what the good shit is. They sort out what the bad shit is. The bad shit goes through your penis or your vagina. The good shit goes into your bloodstream. No harm, no foul. But if it's repeated bullshit and there is no good shit going into your body, that's when your face starts changing. That's when your face starts widening. That's why I think John Wall is an alcoholic because his face is huge. Alcohol does that because the shit coming from your liver is fucking your body up because you're probably not hydrating in the process. They would say this nigga Dennis Robin would sleep at max two hours a day. So what happened to him is kind of crazy. This nigga started playing ball when he was like 17 because he had a growth spurt. He was walking around on some homeless shit. A fucking uh, junior college nigga came to come see him. And off of pure athleticism, he averaged 25 and 12 and never worked on his game in his life. He's one of them destined for the NBA type of niggas. After that, 
he was on the bad boys but he had a shitty childhood so he never got a sense of unity and camaraderie and brotherhood and friendship and having a father that wants to be there he got all that shit when he was in detroit so the first time he's actually being embraced as a family member was when he was winning championships and he was utilizing his rebounding they're hanging out with him they're showing him what's going on this nigga got drafted when he was like 25 type shit you feel me after that goes down they start trading niggas because he wasn't saving his money he was like he was one of those super duper happy to be here type niggas so once chuck daly left once isaiah thomas left once john sally left once bill lambie and all these niggas everything the team started to collapse that's when he collapsed and that's when he was like you know what yo i was on some goody two-shoe shit when i was in detroit i was on some goody two-shoe shit and i mean when i was in uh junior college and college man fuck that shit i'm about to be on my weird shit from now on and when he left detroit that's when shit got litty because love from others the people that say y'all don't need nobody they're lying to you everybody needs affection everybody's seeking love everybody's seeking family and unity and being ingratiated into something that's pure and when that's stripped from you and you never had that to begin with you'll start to go into some weird ass behavior that's when you're really on your rebellious shit like you know what it is what it is you know what i'm saying Everywhere he goes, he never understood, like, the value of black women and the value of being a black man until he was in his 20s. But then it was too late. Hold on, give me a second. Yo. And I'm back with niggas. My aunt had to ask me something. Yeah, man, it's quarantined up, and I'm here with my whole family, so niggas had to hold that down. Anyway, yeah, man, so Dennis Rodman became a madman. He started drinking crazily, even to this day, just a raging alcoholic, doing drugs, and the only thing about his career, which is so dope, is he always maintained his shape. Like, he would literally leave the game. Uh, after the game, he would run, do his workouts, go home, take a shower, get dressed, hit the club, be at the club until 6 in the morning, take a quick nap, be a shoot around the next morning, play the game. And the, it was just a cycle with that nigga. And that was going on forever. They were saying he was pretty much like a freak of nature with the amount of liquor and drugs that he would do and the amount of partying that he would do and then still go back to the game. But you'd be surprised what you'll be able to do if you're under duress and you don't value life like that. Even right now, this nigga's in his 50s. He's like, yo, I have kids, but I don't love them like that. I like them, but I don't love them because I don't know what love is. Yeah, my, my daughter has a child. I held the baby, I met the baby, and it was cool, but I didn't keep the baby close to me because I don't love that baby. I mean, the baby seemed cool. And the mothers of his children are like, yeah, this guy, Dennis, is never around, like, even to this day. That's a troubled man that still has, is going through a lot of shit, I mean? So, shout out to Dennis Rodman. But that, uh, that shit was eye-opening. There's also a documentary on HBO, for those of you guys that have HBO Go, uh, Women of Troy. Uh, it's Cheryl Miller, it's Cynthia Cooper, and it's showing like this uh, USC women's basketball team in the 1980s that pretty much revolutionized women's basketball. And um, it was pretty dope because if you have an idea of what women's basketball is, you just think it's super fundamentals and bounce passes and fucking f funny looking jumpers. Cheryl Miller is my height. Cheryl Miller is 6'2", and she was coming on the break, jaying niggas, laying niggas, hitting niggas with sidesteps, all kind of crazy shit. Uh, you have Cynthia Cooper that's uh, 5'10", 
that was on some shit like, man, if Cheryl Miller's getting buckets, I'm getting some buckets too. There was some, there was uh, some twins. My apologies for not having their name on command, but there was some twins, and they were about six three. That was manning down the paint, and once you started to see how that shit popped off like a whole type of situation and i believe women's basketball really popped off after the 96 olympics when they won the gold because they had pretty much the dream team outside of cheryl miller because cheryl miller uh tore acl in a pickup game and pretty much if you tore your acl in the 80s they told you that you was done forever it wasn't like modern technology so seeing them Seeing what's going on, I didn't even know how dope Cynthia Cooper was, to be honest with you. I had no idea of who she was because I'm not really, not say entertained by it, but I'm not really into women's basketball like that for me to really appreciate the dopeness of the athletes that participate in women's basketball and how they're criminally underpaid. But the reason why I'm underpaid is because they get no viewership. I mean, that's the one thing that really needs to be addressed. How do we get more viewership? Because you can only pay what you make. I mean, the NBA is a multi-billion dollar business is because advertisers understand that everybody watches the NBA. People want to be like these athletes. There needs to be some type of camaraderie or some type of something that really makes women's basketball more profitable. Maybe they need to switch out their arenas. Maybe they need to make it into like a college basketball type of atmosphere to where it's like if you're in the know, you're in the know. If you're not in the know, then you're just someone who's shunned out. I do see NBA players talking about women's basketball, so at least you're getting to hear from their mouth. So you can be like, hmm, I wonder what's going on over there. Russell Westbrook is saying it. You see uh, LeBron James at games before his untimely passing. You've seen Kobe at games. You've seen all these people at games. And that, they, they just need to, in this quarantine shit, the WNBA really needs to be like, yo, what the fuck can we do to get more people to watch us? What the fuck can we do to make more money? Because the skill level is there. Candace Parker was dead nice. Maya Moore is dead nice. Fucking um, Donna Taurasi, dead nice. Cynthia Cooper, when she was in there, dead nice. Lisa Leslie, dead nice. All these niggas, dead nice. Cheryl Swoops, dead nice. But niggas ain't making that chicken, so they're not making no chicken. They're basically, all they're doing in WNBA, they're just playing in that shit just to keep the name alive, and then they get their chicken overseas. So, something needs to happen. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a nigga with a microphone. But uh, I also saw Hobbs and Shaw. And one thing came to me while watching this movie. How the fuck does Kevin Hart keep getting casted in all these movies, son? If nobody knows how to collect a bag, it's Kevin Hart. I mean, what Kevin Hart needs to do, he needs to be like the most interesting man in the world and just show niggas how to make more money. Because every single movie you see this nigga in, you're like, whoa, Kevin Hart is in this? I'm watching Hobbs and Shaw. You see Idris Elba. You see the transporter nigga. You see The Rock. Jason Statham is the transporter nigga's name. And then these niggas are on a flight. And then and some random ass scene, you're just seeing Kevin Hart. I thought, I was looking around like, yo, is this really happening? I thought that my TV was fucking up. I'm like, why the, where did Kevin Hart come from? You know what I mean? But that movie was alright. I mean, it was nothing too crazy. I could have done without the movie. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was in it. It was a star-studded cast, but it wasn't a movie that had to come out. Because it's essentially uh, Mission Impossible 3. Alright, there's a virus. It can kill planet Earth. You got you guys got the specialized skills to get the virus back. Now, I mean, they took Tom Cruise's whole wavelength and just made The Rock and Jason Statham into fucking Tom Cruise. That's all they really did. So you can tell that was like a cash grab type of movie. But I respect it because niggas got to get this chicken. Something else I always uh, 
peeped is whenever you're watching a movie and you see the credits, the leading star is always the executive producer. And I wonder if you make more money if you get producer credits along with being an actor. Because if you do, that is super dope. You see like Seven Bucks Productions, which is The Rock's fucking um, production company. I saw as an executive producer, Jason Statham was an executive producer as well. And every time I see movies, whoever is like the lead nigga is also the producer of it. But there's also other producers as well. So are they just putting their name on it? Like, listen, man, I need a percentage of what this movie's gonna make. And I know you guys are not gonna pay me what I'm actually worth, so I'm gonna need some credits as well as being a producer. And that can give me more leverage to getting more movies and getting more bags. Cause if that's the case, that's something that's dope. So yeah, so if you need some more uh, quarantine content, uh, I suggest if you're into basketball, you watch uh, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes' show, uh, All Up in Smoke or uh, The Smoke Podcast, something along those lines. Let me get the name right. Give me a second. Come on, my nigga. Where the fuck is it at? Niggas is playing games. All all the smoke. It's called the All the Smoke Podcast. Um, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They have a podcast that you can see on YouTube called the Knuckleheads Podcast. Hot boxing with Mike Tyson is something that I also watch. Um, I'm watching All American on um, Netflix. After that, I'm gonna watch the Miles Davis documentary. Um, Who killed Malcolm X is also a dope doc. Um, Kirby Enthusiasm, which is an incredible show. Uh, if you guys want to binge watch that, that's something that I would definitely suggest if you're into dry comedy. And um, I believe Black Monday, Don Cheadle's show. That's in this new season as well, so you should check that out. So that's some quarantine content for your head top. And um, if there's some other things that you would like me to speak about on this show as far as quarantine content, let me know. I'll tell the masses, and I'll put that shit in the top of every episode with the announcements. Because we don't need to be bored. We can do this together. Tell me some shit to watch. Tell me a documentary to watch. Tell me a movie that you think is interesting. Tell me some TV shows you think I would like. You've listened to me for all these weeks at this point. You should probably get a gauge on what I'm fucking with. Peace and blessings. Pass the dressing. And I'll speak to you on 30.2.